Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been okay. I um, you know, I I can't complain. I guess I'm I guess I'm not gonna complain this week. But I will say the transition of starting something from scratch is just really hard, um, especially if you are working for a company or an organization that doesn't know what you do. Let me just start there. And um, it's just interesting in at a time where Black maternal health is on the spotlight and there's this push for levels of care and who's high risk and who's not and to make sure that people have the best care ever, including a high risk specialist. And then you are in an institution that doesn't value you more than as a specialist. So it's growing pains. I get it. I've done this before. This feels a little different than it did in Indiana because I don't know if there's just less resources or what, but it does feel a little bit different than it was in Indiana. And some of that is because some of the systems were already in place there, even though I was starting something from scratch. But here, it's like having to convince people of what you need and how it's different from my specialty versus the general OB specialty. So I will not get on a soapbox about that. This is not pregnancy pearls, but it's a lot. It, it is a lot. And I feel like I'm not getting paid enough to do the things that I'm doing. And it's very frustrating, but I understand that with me even thinking about walking away, I could jeopardize a lot of people's jobs. So it keeps me where I am because I know that I've hired the people I've hired because of the skill set that they have. And if I'm not there, then they are not there. So it's it's a lot of pressure and um, it's a lot of repeating yourself in different ways to convince people what you need in a very nice manner to not feel like the angry black woman 
it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. But we will get through it. I keep on blaming this stuff on Mercury retrograde, right? Like since we found out that that doesn't end until like, I, don't, I think it's like May 14th or something like that. I have to look it up again. I'm like, can this week end? Can it like please pass? Because listen, this is a lot. And maybe yeah. sweet baby Jesus is going to bless me after this retrograde. Like you push through, you power through. Here's your treat at the end. I'm trying not to make any major decisions. Isn't that what they said? Don't make no major moves. Don't make any major decisions during Mercury retrograde. And I'm trying not to do that. But man, I'm telling you, the thought of quit your job has come through my mind so many times. But but it's all good. How was your week been? <laughs> How was your week been, Johnny? It's been interesting. So I've been traveling for work and it's just been a lot. Like it feels like, like I had a mini, I don't want to call it a meltdown, but like I had a, I feel like I had a meltdown. I was like, I'm done with everything. Don't nobody call me. I don't want anything. Don't, if you need something, I'm not it. Like I'm just not it. And I, I had to like sit and regroup and be like, okay, it's Mercury retrograde and girl, you're being a little emotional. Like you got to get yourself together, but it feels like a lot. Like it just feels like everyone wants something and no one really understands. Like when I tell you, I feel you on the, like people don't really understand what you do for the people. I work in sports, right? So like people understand that I like work in sports, but like I do events, like I don't do sports. I do the other stuff that, you know, keeps the lights on. So it's very different. Like people kind of get it or like they kind of comprehend, but then most people don't. Cause I, I am a very unique situation in a much big, like I'm a microcosm. I think that's the word in a much bigger, like, you know, full fledged situation. And so people are like, Oh, I think we get it. And it's like, but you don't quite, and you don't understand the importance and you don't understand what I'm doing. And you would like to understand, but like, I, I get it. This isn't your world, but like defer to me, please. Cause that's easier than me having to fight with you. So yeah, it's just, it's just different. It's just, you know, the world, you know what, Nicole, I've realized that the older I get, the more I realize that like, yeah, like this is all just very much a world that we live in. We control pretty much nothing and you just got to, Enjoy every day as it comes because tomorrow's in promise and life happens and it will come at you hard and fast and you look up and you be 40 because Lord have mercy. I'm also babysitting my godchild. No, 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 no. Does not have two legs. It's did not get pushed out of somebody. There was no OBGYN that made this child come. My godchild is a puppy and she's amazing, but her mom and my best friend um, are on vacation. So I am babysitting my god baby. And she is the sweetest thing. I wish I could keep her, but like, you know, my god baby and my dog don't get along very well. So I can't keep her. But like, I've really enjoyed spending this time with my god baby. She's such a sweetheart. You know, it's great. Life is grand. It's very, very busy, but it's grand. Nicole, I think that to your point, I'm not complaining anymore. I'm just grateful that life is what it is and that I'm still on this side of glory, as the old folks say. Listeners, how's your week been? We uh, we know y'all missed us because we've been sort of scarce on social media as of late. 
But listen, we busy and we know you're busy too. So let us know how you're doing. Shout out to the listeners. Y'all, we love you. We just be busy. And it's not that we're ignoring you. We just, you know, forgive us. We'll 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 do better. I promise. We'll do better. All right, Jenny. So what is actually on the timeline this week? Okay, Nicole. So we have another very sad situation on our timeline. We're going to talk about Jordan Neely. So Jordan Neely was a young 30-year-old man who was a talented dancer who made a modest living um, as a street performer. So, you know, the people who perform in the streets of like New York City, who, you know, some of them dress up like Mickey Mouse or other characters. And like some of them are just street performers. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. He was a street performer and he was specifically a Michael Jackson impersonator who performed in Times Square and actually on the New York City subways. So in recent years, like so many others, after, you know, the pandemic, Jordan had fallen on hard times and he found himself living on the streets that he performed. And it seems as though his life kind of went downhill a little bit before the pandemic when his mother um, was murdered in in 2007. So his mother was tragically murdered in in 2007. And it just seems like his life kind of took a downward spiral at that point. Not only was he suffering with homelessness, but he was also struggling with his mental health. And the combination of the two and, you know, combined with a a lengthy, and and I am hesitant to say this because he had an arrest record Look, you don't know why he was getting arrested, but he had a lengthy arrest record and it included things like assault, jumping the turnstile to get on the subway, theft, things that seemed to be like petty crimes. But he did have a lengthy arrest record. So all of those things, I think they were were based on his circumstances, but I can't really speak to that. So Jordan was on the New York City's Department of Homeless Services. So the New York City Department of Homeless Services has a list and it's a list of homeless individuals who are like high risk. So they call them like acute needs. And this list is created for people who would potentially disappear. So as we know, New York City has a very high homeless population. New York is very, very expensive. And sometimes the people who are following their dreams, like, you know, the the concept of a starving artist is real in New York, right? So they follow their dreams and unfortunately they might not make it. So some of them do end up on the streets. Jordan was one of them. So he was on this list. And while he was on this list, on Monday, May 1st, he boarded a New York City subway. But this particular day, Jordan decided that he wanted to get on the train and give a speech. And as the other witnesses say, he was ranting. He was ranting about his homelessness, his condition, and what he was going through and how he felt he shouldn't go through it anymore. Witnesses say that Jordan was yelling about being fed up and hungry. And they said that he was talking about how he was tired of having nothing They say that he said, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go to jail. I don't have any food. I'm done. So it seems that he was in a space where he was just frustrated with his condition and really didn't know what else to do. So after this loud rant, witnesses say that he took his coat off and he threw his coat to the floor and said that he was ready to go to jail 
and he was ready for a life sentence. So while he was kind of making the other passengers uncomfortable, it's a little, and I say kind of, because some people were just saying that they were observing and they thought, you know, some people really did think he ha- he was suffering with a mental health crisis as he was. And some people said that he was making the crowd uncomfortable. So while he was making the crowd, well, some people in the crowd visibly uncomfortable, even causing some to actually flee the train, like going out and going back into another car, he wasn't actually addressing anyone directly. He didn't confront anyone. He didn't put his hands on anyone. He didn't harm anyone. He was just having a public rant. So he didn't address anyone directly. But while he was doing this, he didn't attack anyone. They asked, like, did he, was he aggressive? Nothing. They, he was just having a moment out loud, right? Um, some believed that he was suffering with mental health issues and some just believe that, you know, he was, it was the precursor to him attacking someone, which wasn't the case. And now we know he was having a mental health crisis publicly on the New York City subway. So on that same train that day was a 24-year-old Marine Corps veteran, and his name was Daniel Penny. And Daniel and Jordan did not appear to have any contact or interaction prior to Daniel taking it upon himself to place Jordan in a chokehold and restrain him on the floor of the New York City subway. Now, Nicole, imagine a visibly mentally mentally unwell man is having a rant on the New York City subway and a strapping 24-year-old Marine Corvette decides that he wants to place this man in a chokehold. So he places him in a chokehold and he continues to hold him in this chokehold for an unspecified amount of time. Some say that it was four minutes. I know that the video was about four minutes, but we don't know how long he was holding this man in a chokehold because I personally have not seen the the entire video. So he holds this man in a chokehold for approximately about four minutes. And as he's holding him in a chokehold, we watch him beg for his life. And then we watch his body go limp. So Daniel restrained Jordan until his lifeless body laid on the floor of the New York City subway. First responders arrived and attempted to resuscitate Jordan, but they were unsuccessful. He was then taken to Lenox Health Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. So the medical examiner determined that the cause of death was compression of the neck and that Jordan's death was ruled by the medical examiner a homicide. So there are multiple details of this case, Nicole. The fact that he was homeless, the fact that he was struggling with mental health issues, the fact that his mother was murdered, that are just tragic. But the part that I want to focus on is the fact that a random seemingly unprovoked citizen took it upon himself to place another citizen in a chokehold until he died. Now, one of the things that I would also like to point out that I did not mention in the story because I just felt like it would make the story much darker than it really already is, 
is that there were witnesses and you can kind of hear what they're saying in the background. And some people were like, oh, well, let's not, let's make sure he didn't defecate on himself because if he's defecated on himself, you've taken it too far. And some people were like, oh, well, I know how to do this. So he's fine. He'll be okay. And none of them seemingly, and we can't necessarily see all of these people in the video, but none of them seemingly are experts because as we know, Jordan did pass away on the floor of the subway train in New York City, the same trains that he performed on and sometimes slept on in the same trains that he had charges for jumping the turnstiles to get to. All of it is tragic, not disputing any of that. But the fact that someone took it upon themselves without any given authority to restrain and subsequently kill this man, that's the part that I think is the most tragic. What do you think, Nicole? That is tragic. Uh, I think that there's a lot going on in America right now. I think that when you feel like, I mean, 24, right? You just woke up that morning and said, I might kill somebody today. Like, what made you decide to step in at the moment that you did? He wasn't stopping anybody from getting off the train. If you were annoyed, Get off the train. If you were in a rush and you couldn't get off the train, shut up and sit there until you can get off the train. Like, I don't understand how anyone, without even saying, hey, can you push? Or, hey, you're scaring people. Like, with no warning, he jumps around this man. And and if you look at the video, this Marine has him in a chokehold, but he also pulls him to the floor. The thing that gets me is, even once he's like, obviously can't breathe he still feels a need to hold him with the same level of strength in the chokehold the other people still have the nerve to try to help restrain this man and nobody nobody thought that this was like hey hey stop overreacting this is enough hey he has a mental health problem obviously this is enough so it's it's all just so reminiscent of the Trayvon Martin story, except for obviously Trayvon Martin did not have a mental health issue. He was just walking from the convenience store where he was getting a soda and a bag of Skittles, right? I guess this guy on the train that decided to be, I don't know, super cop or whatever he wants to be. A couple of things, Nicole. First, before we even get to this situation, like before we even get to this one instance that took his life, There are a couple of things. We as a society failed him at multiple points in his life, right? We failed Jordan at multiple points in his life. We failed him with his mental health issues because there should not be a situation in the United States of America where we are the land of the free and the home of the brave that we can't provide mental health support for any individual whether they are houseless or not. But the part that really bothers me is that we have gotten to a point in society where we feel like we are judge, jury, and executioner, and we're okay with it. We are okay with us as civilians being judge, jury, and executioner. And that's not how our legal system was set up, and that's not how we should be. What happened to assuming the best intentions? What happened to giving people grace? Because clearly his situation is much worse than yours. And if he is not attacking you, now I get it. You know, I was raised by a police officer, right? My father says, you know, it's better to be a defendant than a victim. And I understand that. 
But I also understand that you have to have situational awareness and you have to be willing to give people who might not look or act or behave in a, the same manner that you feel comfortable with, not even like you, but just a manner that you feel comfortable with, they might not do that. And it has to, you have to be okay with that because you do not have a heaven or hell to put anybody in and you do not have the right to judge them and, and or punish them. You just don't. And we can't walk around in the world. It's a dangerous place if we walked around in the world and every time someone pissed us off or we felt uncomfortable, we just had the right to kill them. It's just not okay. Like, think about what that would be like, right? Think about in a day how many people make you feel uncomfortable. Think about in a day how many people frustrate you. Think about in a day how many people just act very differently than you live your life. And if we felt like we had the right to put our hands on them and or potentially kill them every single time that that happened, what would society really look like? And do we want to live in a society that looks like that? I don't think so. I would agree, Janine. I mean, this is, <sighs> truth be told, anybody can have a mental break at any time, right? There's a lot of stresses and I may go into work and just rant and talk about how I'm done and I'm tired. Does that mean that somebody can literally come up from behind me and choke, slam me to the ground while they're choking me? It just does not add up. But this case, it's going to make or break how people behave in the future. Because if this person is allowed to walk scot-free, it's going to tell everybody, oh, well, anytime somebody is annoying, I can just claim I feel uncomfortable and, you know, kill them. But Janine, uh, are you ready to talk through some of these uh, letters for my listeners? Let's do it. Okay. So the first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I am so pissed at society today. I feel like the, quote, majority can do whatever they choose. And justify it by saying they fear for their lives or they were acting to protect themselves. That's fine and dandy until it affects my family. My, my younger brother was at work after hours and was accused of breaking into his own job. My brother is an architect who is new to his firm. He left work, went home to grab a bite to eat, work out and shower. He then went back to work around 7.30, 8 p.m. that Friday evening thinking, he would get a head start on his city project. But a clerk from another office came back to the office and accused my brother of breaking into the office. She claimed to be doing a citizen's arrest for burglary. She pulled a gun on him and called the police. The police had the audacity to arrest my brother without asking so much as why he was there. He wasn't allowed to call until hours later when he called his boss, who had to clear the whole situation up. But in that instance, my brother was demeaned. He was doubted by someone who was a random clerk, not saying that clerks are beneath anyone. But how dare she take unauthorized authority over deciding who belongs and who doesn't? Even though we've achieved more education and pay, the sad part is any Karen can accuse us of doing whatever makes her feel uncomfortable. And we have to do the explaining. Now my brother doesn't know what he should do. So he asked me for advice since I previously worked in HR. I told him to file a complaint against the building security for not updating the employment roster. So maybe the clerk would have known that he worked in the next office over. Since she doesn't work for the company, I'm not sure what else he can do to get justice in this situation. What would you do in this situation, ladies? 
Signed, Tira. Okay, so I'm not a fan of running from your problems, but regardless of how you handle the situation, regardless of what the outcome is, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy in your place of work. And there are a lot of things that you can do. You can file the reports and yeah, I think you should, right? But the first thing I think you should do is start looking for another job. He should start looking for another job. Like if we're really being honest, do we ever actually recover from situations like this, right? And I think that that's the problem that I have is that when these Karens, because that's what the the term that was used in the letter, so y'all don't come for me. When these Karens decide that they want to do, like have these scenes, yeah, it looks bad on them, right? Like people videotape them and and identify them as a Karen and they go on the Karen Instagram page because I go on to see if I know anybody that's on there to see what, what they doing, right? I understand that. But the situation in which you work, the environment in which you work, it never actually goes back to the way it was. So it's always going to be awkward. It's always going to be uncomfortable. People are always going to look at you differently because you can't unring a bell. And that's the problem with these kinds of things, right? Just like Jordan's situation, he can't bring this man back to life. Did he mean to kill him? We don't know. We have no idea. But you can't, you can't undo this. So while it's in a much different situation, I understand that like it's awkward. You're never going to go back to working. People are never going to get, I mean, working in the same manner. People are never going to look at you the same. And the situation is always, always going to be uncomfortable while you're at work. And this Karen is probably going to go on about her life and just be just fine. And, you know, maybe there will be some, a little backlash on the internet. But guess what? Her friends that are exactly the same way that she is, they're not going to change. They're going to be exactly the same way that they were. And you're never going to see her in the same manner. So it's just, it sounds like it's a simple fix. Now, do I think that you should file a complaint? hundred percent. Do I think that you should prosecute to the fullest extent? Absolutely. I think that you should do all the things. But the first thing I think you should do is start looking for a new job. He needs to start looking for a new job. That's me. I'm, I don't want to work in the environment where the Karens are trying to get me fired or trying to get me arrested or, you know, change my life forever over their opinion or their feeling of, of being unsafe. I don't have time for it. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find a new job and I'm going to take y'all's money too because I was I, it, it was a, a, a wrongful accusation and it was a toxic work, work environment and he needs to find a good lawyer and use all the buzzwords and get all the coins he can get because while he's looking for a new job, he needs to get their coins too. What you think, Nicole? This was a little bit harder for me because it says she worked in the next office over. So it's not like... It's not like they're employed by the same people, right? Like I imagine they're in a big building. That building probably has several different things in it. Some law firms, some architectural firms, some, you know, consulting firms. And she just happened to see this black man entering the door of this building, probably with some sweatpants on and a t-shirt because, you know, he had just got through working out, went home, shower, he was relaxing and he was just work, you know, at work working by himself, right? He didn't have to be in his business attire. That probably is what got her, caught her off guard. But my thing is, why are you even in his job anyway? So you're the person that's actually trespassing because you're not supposed to be in his office. So I, I don't know if quitting his job, his nice big city job is the solution because you're going to have Karen's wherever you go, right? They're going to be wherever you go. And it's not like your personal job 
has created this environment. Now, I will say this, Janine, having to call your boss to clear you up to get you out of jail is a lot. And people are going to look at you a little bit differently because now you've involved, you've had a work situation that's now become a personal situation. And you've had to have your boss get you out of that personal situation. That by itself is a lot. And that's enough to say, I don't feel comfortable with people knowing my business like that. I'm going to walk. The question is, did your job owe you a certain level of security that you did not have? If that's the case, I would definitely argue that, hey, you didn't provide me that security. And then you sue the company. Okay. If you're suing the company, you ain't got no choice but to find another job. If you're suing the building because the building is responsible for security, that's a little different as well. Um, So it really depends. To me, it's the angle of like, who's the blame? And some of this may require a lawyer. So, so Tira, or maybe it's Tyra, I would recommend he talk to an attorney before he does anything. So, so the your attorney can do the digging and figure out which angle should we co- go with this? Should we go with, Hey, I, you know, my job failed me because I didn't get enough security or should we go with the building failed me and I didn't get enough security? Regardless, I would let the attorneys figure it out. Or maybe both. Okay. So I would I would lawyer up and let them figure out the best move for you before any moves are made. Okay. Um, I would not quit while you are talking to that attorney unless you're advised, because there may be information that you may have to gather to give to your attorney before that you may not have access to. Because when you quit, trust me, they're getting their legal team together because they are anticipating that you are going to sue. Okay. So I will talk to an attorney, give them the information. I will talk to one quick. Don't wait two, three, four weeks. Cause that gives them a chance to say, let's get our legal team together just in case. Right? No, go talk to somebody immediately. Okay, Nicole. So my letter says, Nicole and Janine, Hank here from South Carolina. I just want to share something that happened to my wife and I. It's about babies. So this is for you, Nicole. Sorry, (laughs) Janine. My wife was pregnant. It says a few months back, my wife was pregnant with our twin girls. We were on our way to Baptist Hospital and we live in a small town in Crenshaw County. So we were a ways away. When we got on 77, headed to the hospital to check in for a planned C-section, my wife's water broke. Mind you, at this point, All I can see is traffic for miles. Given her age and the fact that she was carrying twins, I panicked. I pulled over and called 911. So I knew we were still about halfway away, 30 minutes or so from the hospital. The dispatcher asked me a few questions. I don't know if it was the fact that my wife was high risk or if she could just sense the fear in my voice. But the dispatcher instructed me to put on my hazard lights, stay on the phone and drive carefully up the shoulder of the road. She said, keep driving up for about the next three and a half miles. And she said, once I got there, I would see at about exit 34, an officer. That officer would meet me and escort me the rest of the way to the hospital. I was relieved because As I said, we still had about another 30 or so miles to go. 
I checked on my wife, who was both in active labor and annoyed because this was not how she planned to have our babies. I stayed on the phone, put on my hazard lights, and proceeded up the shoulder. Well, about two miles in, a car moved over and blocked me from continuing up the shoulder. I guess he had nothing better to do, or maybe he was angry because he was sitting in traffic. I don't know. Well, he proceeded to put his car in park, exit his vehicle, and come banging on my window, telling me that it was illegal for me to drive up the shoulder. And why, asking me, why do I think I don't have to wait? He said, that's the problem with you people. He even took down my license plate and refused to get back in his car and matter of fact, asked me to get out of mine. At this point, I'm just telling the dispatcher what's going on and trying to keep my wife calm. This man continues this for almost 10 minutes, either not noticing or not caring that my wife was eight and a half months pregnant with twins and in active labor. God bless the dispatcher because she dispatched police to our location and they arrived, arresting the driver and escorting us the rest of the way to the hospital where my wife gave birth to two healthy baby girls. I just wanted to share this story and say, I really wish that people would mind their business and stop trying to police society. Peace and love, Hank. Hank, I can definitely tell you're a good man. I can tell you're a good man and um, congratulations on your two adorable babies. It would be great if you could send us pictures to, oh, that's deep. That would be amazing. So we can see the, oh, that's deep babies. And it would also thrill me if you happen to be listening to the podcast on the way to, uh, <laughs> to, to deliver these babies. But uh, I'm asking for a lot there. But um, either way, uh, congratulations on the babies. Hopefully you have something fantabulous planned for your wife for Mother's Day for all that she's gone through. But you know what, Hank? You are better than most, right? This situation could have gone left really quickly because Hank had every right to get out of the car irate, right? My wife is in labor. She's in pain. I'm already on the phone with the police and you have the nerve to block me? Like, who are you? So that could have turned into a really ugly situation really fast. So shout out to Hank for remaining calm. You are the example that we all need to see in terms of how to handle these type of people that feel a need to try to uh, police everything on their own with no badge. So um, yeah, you are definitely that example because even me, I would have, I would have went left. I would have gone all the way left and been justified in doing that. But if you did, then the situation would have turned out differently, right? It would have escalated the situation. Hank would have probably gotten into a fight. The, you know, the RoboCop wannabe would have maybe pulled a weapon. I mean, it could have gone uh, really tragically. So I'm glad that you were able to uh, remain calm in all this. But Hank is right. Like, why exactly do people ha feel like, they could take them take it on themselves to tell me what I'm doing illegally, not knowing the whole situation. And he did the right thing. Like if you're in labor and you're in traffic, like you gotta get you don't you have to get get places. Like a lot of people don't have things to like 
deliver a baby in their car. And even if you have something to sort of like tie off the cord and things like that with like, oh, I got a MacGyver shoestring, right? And I can tie the cord and I got a, a knife. Well, you, you don't have anything in case there's a laceration or a tear in the vagina and your wife's bleeding. You don't have anything to, 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 to repair that. You don't have anything to help you if the baby gets stuck. You don't have anything to fix that. So, and there's things that happen during labor that make things emergent. So you don't have anything for that. So it is pertinent that you get there. And so I'm glad that the dispatcher had the wherewithal to tell you, you know what? Ride the shoulder. So you can't ride it no more. And then I'm going to have this person meet you at this exit. That was actually very strong and solid advice. But I can definitely see people doing that, right? Can't you see, Janine, like somebody getting pissed off that somebody has started, oh, she's smart. She's going to ride the side and get around everybody. Uh, How dare you? You got to wait your turn. I could see that happening. Somebody halfway blocking the median or halfway blocking, uh, you know, the the exit so somebody couldn't get off. Let me tell you something, Nicole. I thought the same thing. Every day I drive 295. Yep. People do it all the time. Someone is driving on the shoulder. And here's my thing. It might not be an emergency, but mind your business. Are they bothering you? Is it harming you? If it is not harming you and it is not your business, mind your business. Because you don't know what's going on. Just like this man. Now, imagine, thank God, Hank, like that you're patient. Because it, this could have been a situation where you got out, you decided to put your hands on this man who should have just minded his business. Now you go into jail and your wife is out here having babies. Now she's stressed out. Now there's a problem and something's wrong with your babies, right? Glad it was a happy ending. Glad the babies came out healthy and, and bouncing baby girls, right? But like, it could have really gone very differently, right? Like anything could have happened. She could have gotten any, any. I mean, legit, what if those babies had start coming in in the car after her water broke and she was in active labor and she was pushing. And unfortunately there's nothing you could do. And now all of a sudden it's a whole situation. What if the babies came out blue? I mean, you don't know. Anna's twins and they said her age. I mean, it's a lot of things that could have gone wrong here. Thankfully it didn't go the other way. Thankfully Hank, like the Lord was on y'all side, but how hard would it have been for this man to mind his business? Cause to your point, Nicole, he wasn't upset at the fact that he was driving down the side of the road. He was upset because he was sitting in traffic while someone else was driving down the side of the road. And I think that that's what our problem is, right? Wherever it is that we, whatever our situation is in life, right? We're okay as long as other people are in the situation with us. You know, they say misery loves company. So when you sit in traffic, you want other people to be sitting in traffic with you, right? But it's when somebody is doing better than us or is perceived to be doing better than us is when we start having the issue. And that's the problem. You live your life. You follow your path. You live who you were created to be. Not what I'm doing. Not what Nicole is doing. Not what anybody else is doing. We need to figure out how to do that. You know, they say like audacity, like everybody has the audacity. It's not even that. It's this, It's this. to your point, Nicole, a sense of entitlement. Why do you feel like you have to have the best of everything, but no one else is allowed to have anything better than you? Like really ask yourself that. And it's not just Karens. I know we like to blame it on them. I know we do. But it's some of us. We're okay as long as someone else is not doing better than us or they're not getting something that we wish that we had or we wanted or we feel like we deserve. 
Y'all, we got to get out of this. Like, it's bad. It's bad. We are at a point where we can't see the humanity in others because we too busy worried about why they have more than us. Y'all go back to the Bible. That's not how we're supposed to live. I mean, y'all don't have to read it, but life is going to be harder if you don't. I'm just saying, go back to the Bible. That's not how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to rejoice when other people are rejoicing right? Like you are supposed to be happy for them. Even if it's not your happiness, you are supposed to be able to rejoice in their happiness. We've gotten away from this. So now we don't know what's going on and we just all out here willy nilly. And then I'm over it off the soapbox, but y'all do better. And it's stop blaming everything on the Karens. Stop blaming everything on racism because everything is not racism. Some of this is just humanity is starting to decline and we are in that humanity. Humanity is us. It's declining. Y'all do better. Well, you said go back and read your Bible, girl. Some people ain't reading that. Listen, we're in a world where people are spiritual. They're not religious anymore. Girl, Let me tell you something. Girl, I had somebody said that to me the other day. They were like, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And it's like, okay, so what? what's leading your spirit? That's my question to people like that, right? Now, I get it. Like the practices of religion. Religion can be toxic. We've talked about that. We can talk about it again, have another episode about it. It can be toxic. But what the purpose of it is, is to teach you and give you a moral compass to guide your life, right? So be all the spiritual you want. But what is guide, what are your guiding principles? How about that? Let's talk about what your guiding principles are. are do you have morality or are you just out here banging on people's windows, asking them not to drive down the side of the road like this man was doing to Hank. That's that's the issue. People are out here insane, Nicole. People don't have any morals. They don't have any values. They just out here living wild and crazy and then wondering why life is coming at them hard and fast. Just saying. All right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? Okay, Nicole, this one is for you. So I learned that a person can make a citizen's arrest in almost Every state, if they suspect someone of committing a felony, as long as the felony actually took place. So if you suspect, you don't have to actually witness it. So there was a point, it was unclear as to what point this law changed, but there was a point where if you were making a citizen's arrest, you had to actually witness the felony. But you just have to suspect at this point that someone committed a felony. And if it actually took place, you can make a citizen's arrest. Now, the issue comes in where you suspect that someone committed a felony and they didn't actually commit a felony and you make a citizen's arrest. Now, people that are making citizen's arrests for wrongful assumption of a felony, they are actually can be held both civilly and criminally liable. So if y'all want to be out here making citizens arrests, make sure that you know 100% for sure, not only that you know for sure, but that you can prove that the person that you are arresting actually committed a felony. Because if not, you might be the one going to jail. Just saying. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? Mm, That's actually pretty good. But my thing is, I just feel like that citizen's arrest should be like, here's the most wanted. If you see this person on the street, you know, call us. Okay. Those are people that I can say, okay, we already know they did it. You make, but you make a citizen's arrest against somebody that's dangerous. You could risk your life. I'm just saying that's to me, that's not very smart, but the key words there is if you know that the crime has taken place, not somebody that looks suspicious, walking around your neighborhood. It's not what we're talking about. If you know for a fact, the car got broken into, I saw this man break it into a car, steal the woman's purse. He had a ski mask on. 
and was running to me that's a dangerous situation but you could do a citizen's arrest if you wanted to do that no nope, nicole because that's not a felony oh that's it a has to be a felony it has to be a felony right so that's oh. that's where people get into it so we're talking murder rape sexual assault things that are felonies so you really have to be in a deep situation for you to, and and be and know for you to make a citizen's arrest without risking going to jail yourself so the question for me is is it really worth it are you really about to out are are we really about to be out here confronting murderers and rapists to make a citizen's arrest or are we gonna just call 911 like we should we just gonna saying. call 911 amen amen all right so what i learned so a couple things one i was looking at the statistics about homicides in the u.s and according to the bureau of justice statistics you know black people with 13 percent of the population but nearly half of all homicides are black people that's that that to me was alarming like very alarming which is why i was like i have got to share that on the podcast the other thing that i learned is which is sort of off topic um when we talk about moral compass right like religion is there to guide our moral compass. So, you know, back in the day, you had, you know, the Catholic church and then you had different Protestant churches that were popping up, right? No knock to that. You know, I'm Baptist, Janine's Kojic. We obviously are part of the, the others, right? But King Henry VIII, did you realize, and I looked this up because, you know, I've been watching Queen Charlotte, right on uh, netflix which is actually pretty good if you have not watched it shondaland strikes again is all i have to say she is a freaking genius when it comes to her work i mean i just can't get enough but anyway and and if you don't know this is a bridgerton spinoff yeah bridgerton got spinoffs now y'all and she's been number one all week so either way go watch it if you haven't watched it but anyway um king henry the eighth actually tried to get divorced from his wife right i think it was Anne bolin through the catholic church tried to get it annulled i mean said all kind of stuff basically because she wasn't giving him a boy now she did have a daughter that wasn't good enough and she did have a couple of miscarriages one being a stillbirth of the of the boy right the boy was not born alive and so he didn't like what the catholic church had said he the catholic church said now you can't get divorced and you can't get it annulled so he says, you know what, let me form the Church of England and I'm just going to form my own church over here. And then we're going to uh, get rid of these leaders of the Catholic Church and throw you out the country. OK, and then after I'm through with this woman that I divorced my wife. Now they let me get an annulment in the Church of England because I, I started it. So I annul myself. And then I'll get remarried to this woman. I'm done with her because she can't give me no boys. And guess what? I'm going to accuse her of fornicating and incest and all kind of stuff. So we're going to have her beheaded. And then I'm going to get remarried three days later. And then I ain't stay with her either. I mean, it just to me, it is mind-blowing the moral compass that's in uh, that some of the churches are founded off of. It's just a little lacking. That's all. I just thought that was like, ooh, they really beheaded the queen. Yeah, the Nicole, mother of your I actually, children. I actually know that story. I didn't know the the middle parts of it where he didn't give she didn't give him a boy. Then they mar they got he founded the church. I didn't know that part, but I was like, 
I think he killed that lady. But again, this goes to the point. Why do we feel like we are judged during an executioner? I don't get it. Like, it's just, it just is a different level of entitlement. And yep. unfortunately, it's not kings and, and queens that are giving us that entitlement anymore. It's the average Joe who don't know a bit more of nothing about nothing that's out here trying to guide other people's moral compass. And I think that that's what I have an issue with. Like, I don't, I, I would like not to think that I'm better than anyone, right? But I'm very well aware that I'm smarter than some, right? My issue is, what makes you think that you are the one? Because some of these people, when you really sit and look at it, you're like, you're dumb as bricks. What makes you think that you're the one that should be the designated enforcer? I'm just curious, like what, what do, where do people get this from? I don't know. Okay. Give us some motivation, Nicole. All right, y'all. So the motivational moment comes from Alice Walker. And I feel like I might've said this quote before because I actually love it. Uh, and she said, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. So remember, we have the power to make change. Whether you are black, white, yellow, or blue, speak up about injustices. Advocate for things that help our communities and protect those who aren't able to protect themselves. It's up to us to shape the next generation. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.